Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On PFF's College Football Show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman, with basically our Week 5 review. Now, usually what we used to do is go over the biggest games of the weekend. We're doing something different, Dalton. We're doing our top 10 teams in college football after this week of college football, which I am very, very excited to get into, man. And yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun, fun Week 5 that we just had, man. Yeah, it was. It's a, We are so, so close. We were calling out that it was going to be a little bit of madness, and we're so close to having one of those weeks where college football gets turned upside down. You had tight games everywhere, Notre Dame, Georgia, USC. Just we're, We are so close to all this madness that we love seeing, and we're going we're gonna to get there one of these weeks. But this is the time of year when the top ten, especially the top four, gets debated a lot, and we start seeing everybody's opinions about it before the playoff rankings come out. You mentioned it right there, man. I mean, I feel like nobody knows who the number one team in the country is right now. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing how our top 10 shakes out because there isn't a clear team. Like you mentioned, Georgia, the number one team in the country, went down to the wire with an unranked Auburn team uh, this past weekend. And in total, five ranked teams lost in week five. Now, of course, four of them were because of ranked games. And then also uh, Florida goes down to Kentucky, which is a team that uh, we both are pretty high on. They got Georgia this weekend, so that should be a lot of fun so before we get into our top 10 though i wanted to give an opportunity for both of us to shout out a team that's maybe not in the top 10 and maybe one that's not getting as much love as they deserve right now so don what is the team that you want to shout out right now for me it is the missouri tigers and i think there's you know we talked about a couple weeks ago winning getting a signature win against kansas state was a big deal for eli drinkwitz in that program i think there's two things you need to do when it comes to building building yourself into a potentially great team. Win big games and then take care of business, right? They beat Vanderbilt by 17. And you, you get teams in front of you that aren't as good as you, you need to start blowing them out. And they did that. Brady Cook played the best game of his career. 396 yards, a career high. Four touchdowns, a career high. 92.2 passing grade, a career high. And he wasn't sacked a single time. The combination, if Cook has turned a corner, the combination of him and Luther Burden, who's currently the highest graded receiver in the country, we've mentioned him in the last few weeks as well, 140 yards, two more touchdowns, leading the country in receiving grade, leading the country. He's got a 99.9 grade on screen passes. It is ridiculous what he can do with the ball in his hands, and I believe leading the country with 15 forced missed tackles. He is a nightmare to tackle anywhere he gets the football. And if Cook has turned the corner like he has the last couple of weeks, Missouri is going to be a real problem for some teams in the SEC. Do they absolutely are. Brady Cook, I remember a few weeks ago when we previewed the Kansas State game, we mentioned, yes, Missouri has all this talent, but I think the, the biggest determining factor is that Brady Cook might not be able to get it done. Dude, he has become a really good quarterback so far this season. I think he's a top 15 grade in the country so far. So not only uh, before you know Missouri won games in spite of Brady Cook, now they're winning games because of Brady Cook and because of, like you just mentioned, Luther Burden III, who you can make a strong argument, man, he might be the best receiver in America right now. He is 
playing lights out football. And again, this kid is a true sophomore. He has to come back to school next season. So if you want a uh, 2025 wide receiver one, I, I think it's him, man. And I compared him to Debo Samuel because like you mentioned, I mean, that ability after the catch, dude, is stupid. So uh, that's a great shout out. I have Missouri uh, in my, I think, 17th right now. And right now they're number 21 in the AP poll. I think that is far too low for the Missouri Tigers who are playing lights out right now. Another team who's not even ranked that I have in my top 20, Dalton, is the Maryland Terrapins, who have been unbelievable to start the season. Right now, they're 5-0. and That's the first time since 2001 that this team is 5-0. and And like I said, they're unranked in the AP poll right now. I have them number 20. Uh, they're 19th in EPA per play on offense. Talia Tonga-Vailoa has continued to be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football. They got a big test this, this weekend. They got number four, Ohio State. Uh, that's a big game for them. So, of course, you know, if they lose that game, they probably, they definitely won't be ranked and they probably won't be ranked in my rankings either um but if they beat ohio state man i mean i just want to let you guys know preferred walk-on had it first man the maryland terrapins are a team that you need to keep an eye on because they are a quality team and they're blowing out everyone man i mean they they beat towson which is an fcs school but whatever they beat them by 32 they beat charlotte by 18 virginia they beat by 28 they beat michigan state by 22 and they just beat indiana uh by 27 so not only are they five and oh they are blowing out every single team that they face so far this season so i have them in my top 20 they got a huge game at ohio state this weekend but uh yeah man i think maryland should be ranked right now and I think it's a crime that they aren't but uh we're starting off Dalton our top 10 teams in the country who is your number 10 team right now number 10 I have Notre Dame they came away with a tight win at Duke after just an awful loss to Ohio State heartbreaking we all we talked last week about the end of the game what happened there but Notre Dame is still a team with top 10 talent and and in the trenches they're terrific O-line D-line, the running game. They run and stop the run. It's classic Notre Dame football. Um, come away with that win at Duke. Look, it was tight. It was tight. Duke's defense is a real problem. Um, I, I think they played better than even we thought they would up front. Um, and eventually, Audric Estime was just the difference. He's, he's still he's the second highest overall graded back in the country behind Marshawn Lloyd. He's got 412 yards after contact, which leads the country. They look, Notre Dame has an identity. The one issue I, I think I'm starting to see with Notre Dame is I, I don't think Sam Hartman is having the big, big impact that they thought he would. Over the last four weeks, just a 73.4 grade outside the top 50 in the country. He's good. There's, you know, I'm not saying he's not good. But I think they were expecting a different level of quarterback than they're getting. And over the last two weeks, especially, I mean, they've scored 17 and and 21 points now. Estime got the late touchdown. It, it's tough. I, I don't know. I don't know that Notre Dame can score enough maybe to play. They're playing USC soon. Um they're going to need a little more out of Hartman if they're really going to run the table and push this thing. But they still have all-around top-10 talent, a big-time defense. Estime is terrific, and they just need to piece it all together in the passing game, I think, to get any higher than that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I don't have them at number 10 because I wanted to put in a team that I've been high on since the preseason at number 10. But Notre Dame, I have at number 11, man. And like you said, Ardrick Estime, he has been fantastic so far this season. I would make the argument he is the best running back in college football right now, at least, off of what we've seen this season. Um, and he might be a guy that you could see go in the – second third round of the nfl draft man i mean he is a big bruising running back not gonna add much in the receiving game but he is a 
tough runner, man. I, I love watching Audrey Gestime. Actually, one of my good friends uh, grew up with Audric Estime. So he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world that Audric is like all of a sudden the superstar in college football when he like uh, was used to be able to tackle him when Audric was just a little kid, but now he can't obviously anymore. But uh, at number 10, uh, I have Oklahoma, man. I got the Oklahoma Sooners. Now I know the, the level of competition hasn't quite been as impressive as a Notre Dame who barely lost to Ohio State and then and then of course beat a, a top 20 Duke team. But Oklahoma's 5-0 right now. They're number 12 in the AP poll. I have a number 10 here. They're defense man under Brent Venables who is one of the top defensive minds in the country obviously all those years at Clemson struggled a little bit last year but of course that was a a new regime change uh, that he had last year I want to remind people yes Oklahoma went six and seven last year yes that was their worst record in the 21st century five of those seven losses were by one possession. They were 0-5 last year in one-possession games, and of those five games, four of them, they lost by three points. So you're talking about five coin flips that they lost every single time. You, and Of course, you know I'm not going to say they're the Minnesota Vikings like they were last year, but you change that around, dude, they're an 11-2 football team if they go 5-0 and in those one-possession one games. So I think a lot of people kind of hitting the panic button on Oklahoma is far too soon, and they're proving why right now, man. 5-0, uh, and like I said, they got Texas this week that defense right now second best defensive grade in the country they're 10th in epa per play it's going to be tested this week against texas in that red river rivalry because you know quinn ewers and that passing attack ewers has been up and down man but jonathan brooks in the run game has been great the o-line's been holding up pretty well and that receiving core is still one of the best in the country man so i got oklahoma at number 10 right now only because i kind of want to uh be first on them because i do think there's a there's a good chance Oklahoma could be taking down Texas this weekend and vault and rocket launch into the maybe the seven or six or something like that, man. Because I, I think this is a really, really quality team that Oklahoma has right now. I agree. I mean, you talk about you, you mentioned launching yourself way higher than that. Look, if they beat Texas, they have no reason in front of them they couldn't run the table obviously bedlam at the end of the year is always something but i think both of these teams this is you know the red river rivalry is always the game of the year but it might be more so this year this is the game that puts you on a path to a national title although they very well could see each other again in the big 12 title game but (laughs) this is this is the game this is the game, the signature win for each team, as it usually is. But there hasn't been a Texas-Oklahoma game with this high stakes in a long, long time. Um, if Oklahoma wins and if Texas wins, I mean, you you have every reason to believe they could run the table because the Big 12 doesn't have a ton of depth. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So yeah, Oklahoma, it's ironic that Oklahoma and Texas could be meeting that Big 12 title game in their final year in the Big 12 as well. So kind of a a uh, you know sweep of sour at the same time for, for those two teams. But Dalton, who's your number nine team that you want to talk about right now? Number nine, and I don't know if you're going to love it, is your Penn State Nittany Lions. Wow. Um, okay. It's fantastic. They're playing fantastic defense. Uh, fourth in the country in overall defensive grade. First in the country in pass rush grade. Chop Robinson's going to find himself in the top ten of the draft if he keeps playing like this. Yeah. Um, but offensively, and I know they put up 41 on Northwestern, but Northwestern is Northwestern. Uh, they, It's just not all clicking. Uh, it's still they had a great pass protection game finally against Northwestern, but they're still outside the top 50 and they were hovering around 90th. I believe we had before before that game. Um, they they need a real test. They're at the point where they need a real test. They look they were better than West Virginia in week one. And now West Foss won four games in a row. But, yeah, you keep playing these uh, these Big Ten West teams, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern. These teams can't score. So <laughs> 
Penn State's defense is good. Robinson, Kalen King, all that stuff. It is very good. I don't know that it's elite. We will find that out soon. And offensively, it, it's still just not all clicking. I, when you have, you know, they're tied for third in the power five in drops. The run block grade is still outside the top 80. It's really Drew Aller, he doesn't put the ball in danger. I like Drew Aller a lot. But I have a feeling with this supporting cast that he's going to have to turn into something great. I like him a lot. I want to love him. I really do. But I need to see it, right? And, and look, I'm glad he plays really good functional football against these teams that clearly Penn State is better than and and just can't score. I would, you know, you shut out Iowa. I, I it is there's only so much I can be impressed by that Northwestern and even the Northwestern game, honestly. Late in the second quarter, that game was, I believe, 10 to 10. Yeah. It, it was a struggle, really, for the first half, and then they took it over. So it's it's time for me to see Penn State either play better offensively than they've been playing, despite the point totals they're putting up. Eventually, that's just a matter of the other team's defense running out of gas, forcing so many three and outs, that sort of thing. They need to play better offensively, and I, I need to I need to see them play Ohio State. It's in two three weeks. Uh, is it on the fourteenth? I forget which day. Which it's week in, it is. But. It's in uh, three weeks because they have a bye week. Then they got UMass, and then it's, they got Ohio State. So. Okay, so you've got two weeks of practice, three weeks of practice before <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, UMass is UMass. Yeah, that's it's. We're just gonna find out everything we need to know about Penn State. Look, if Penn State beats Ohio State. I think you very well could probably, depending especially on how Aller looks, you could probably put him like number four or five. Yeah. Right? I need to see it. I mean, they're, every year this is the thing. Their season is going to get defined by how they play Ohio State and Michigan. And and to me, we're just waiting on that. And they haven't impressed me enough all around offensively. Um, it, it just hasn't It's it hasn't looked clean, you know. And I know Illinois and Iowa are two pretty good defensive teams, but it, it – it's inconsistent on offense, and yeah, I think the AP has them six right now. I, I would drop them a little bit below some of, couple of these teams that we're about to talk about in a minute. Yeah, I agree. I think six is a little high. I'm going to hold off my, my Penn State thoughts because I do have them a little bit higher than you, but the team I'm bringing up next on, which I think actually works out uh, it, because I think you have them next as well after this, is, is USC. USC currently 5-0, and uh, number nine in the AP poll, so I have them exactly where the AP poll has them right now. Um, Man, they got a high-powered offense. Like they, they, Caleb Williams six touchdown passes uh, against Colorado, a tied a career high for him, over 400 yards as well. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd scored a touchdown. They scored 48 points in this game. They beat Colorado by seven points, by only seven points. Now, Shador Sanders is a fantastic quarterback. We've we talked at length about him in previous episodes already about how great he's been, and I I think he still is a great quarterback. But you beat Colorado by seven, man. That defense fell apart. In the second half, and I wanted to throw out a uh, a stat that I, I looked up before the show. It, it's just in terms of the Lincoln Riley offenses and the Lincoln Riley defenses that he's had in his tenure as a head coach. So um, there's, I think the best stat to really look at how well an offense and defense is playing is EPA per play, expected points added or allowed per play. Uh, basically, just measures how efficient you are. USC. In 2023 right now, second in the country in offensive. 
Defensive, 61st. Year before, first in the country in offense, 123rd in defense. The year before that at Oklahoma, fifth in the country in offense, 84th in defense. In 2020, keep in mind, 2020 COVID year, 15th in offense, 31st in defense. You kind of just throw that year out because, you know, how few games that everyone played. 2019, though. Fourth in offense, 78th in defense. 2018, first in offense, 120th in defense. And in 2017, first in offense, 71st in defense. Outside of that COVID year, Oklahoma, USC, whatever, have basically been outside the top 70 in defensive EPA per play, and they've been in the top five every single year. This is a top five offense consistently, and it's consistently a below average to atrocious defense every single year. Alex Grinch is the current defensive coordinator for Oklahoma for USC, excuse me, right now. And man, there's got to be some hard conversations coming up soon, man, because he has been there for a while now. And yes, they're 61st this year, but this is the first real offense that they've played this year. They haven't really played a tough schedule before Colorado in terms of offensive ability. This that 61st number is probably going to drop a little bit once once they start going up against some really really good offenses the Pac-12 has. So Alex Grinch, man, yes, he had that that one COVID year where his defense was actually pretty good, but other than that, man, it has been well below average. So um, I listen, they they forced turnovers, but they also let up a lot of big plays, man. So. I don't know, man. I, I don't think USC – I have him as a playoff team right now. They can consistently compete for a playoff team. But until that defense improves, they will never be a national championship contender because that defense – you can't have a, a below average to – you can't, not even below average. You can't have one of the worst defenses in the country and expect to, to really compete with some of the top teams in the country, no matter how good your offense is, Dalton. No, I totally agree. I have them eight, you have them nine, and which means we both have them third in the pack among its Pac-12 teams. Their defense is a problem. It's actually the last two weeks. So, you know, they gave up 28 points and got run all over against yeah. Arizona State. They've given up 69 points the last two weeks. And Shadur is great. And, you know, I don't know where Marion Miller was the first few games for Colorado, but <laughs> get him on the field, please. How many weapons does Colorado have? But no, USC, this is this is the problem. It's their identity now. Uh, we're this far into a season, and really, you just mentioned it, it's Lincoln Riley's identity, is we'll have the best offense in the country, and we'll try to win games 50-35. to 35. Um, it, they, it, 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 they, they have the best quarterback in the country. Yep. They currently have the best running back in the country in Lloyd. Yep. They, they just – it makes you wonder when they play Washington and Oregon and teams that can keep up with them. If, if it can hold up. Or, or honestly, Caleb Williams, look, he's got 21 touchdowns and one interception. It makes you wonder, Max, if there's a day where Caleb Williams doesn't go like crazy. Let's yeah. say he has a normal day, 280 and three touchdowns, right? Are they winning that game? No, because the I, my I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't see, you know, he's got to throw six against Colorado. It feels like he throws five touchdowns every week. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he does. I, I mean, he's, he, it's nuts. The only interesting thing with him, I find, and, and I wrote about this preview in the Colorado game, last year Caleb Williams was number one in the country in grade when pressured, Yeah, uh, somewhere around an 85. The best pressured quarterback, doing them home stuff, all that stuff. This year he's 120th, and he's starting late in the play to sling the ball into bad spots or or hold it too long and fumble. he's I believe he's got seven turnover-worthy plays under pressure. He's in the bottom 20, I believe it is, in the country in pressure grade, and now number one in clean pocket grade at, at a 95. So it's it's starting to 
you start to wonder if Caleb's feeling the pressure to carry this thing late in the play because he knows if I don't put up 45 points, we very well could lose this game. Mm -hmm. Now, he's the best weapon in the country. He's the best player, quarterback, everything in the country. He's going, you know, he's probably might go to Chicago pretty soon here. But <laughs> it it's just starting to feel like if Caleb Williams either doesn't throw for five touchdowns or he turns, God forbid, he turns an ankle, what are they going to do otherwise? Because they, they really, it just feels like over and over they have one way and it's, it's a surefire way to win ball games as there is in the country, but it seems like the only way they can win ball games. It absolutely is, man, because it really is. If you don't have a perfect day on offense, you could lose. And that's not a way you could play football, man. If you need perfection from one side of the ball in every single week, that is not a winning strategy, man. Now, of course, Caleb Williams, if anyone could have a, a perfection every single week, it is Caleb Williams. Now, they're lucky in the quarterback that they have. But, yeah, man, I mean, listen, once if Washington or Oregon, who have – Pretty good defense, especially Oregon. If they stop Caleb a couple times, that could be lights out, man. That could be lights out. So uh, Caleb, there's a lot of pressure on him, and I agree with you. That that pressure grade, it might not just be him you know, playing worse. It might just be him feeling more pressure on himself to say, hey, like you said, I got to score a touchdown on this drive, man. If I don't score, he put up six touchdown passes against Colorado, and they won by seven points. That should tell you a lot about where this team is right now. And like I said, Alex Grinch, the, the problem I keep going back to, Dalton, this defense has NFL talent too. This isn't a talent issue. It's not like Lincoln's just recruiting five stars at, on offense and not getting them on defense. He has some really good defensive players. Bear Alexander, great defensive tackle. Uh, Damani Jackson will probably be one of the top corners in next year's draft. Kalen Bullock, one of the top safeties in this year's draft. They got some really good defensive players. They're not playing well together right now. They have the number one recruit in the country in Corey Foreman a couple years ago in the 2020 class, actually above Caleb Williams in that class. He has barely played in three years now, and he was the number one overall recruit in the country coming out of high school at Edge Defender. So he's barely played in three years, man. So I, it's not a talent issue. I, I think there's more of a conversation to be had around Alex Grinch, but I, Lincoln Riley has, has proven to be loyal to Alex Grinch, man, and that could ultimately be his undoing, honestly, is how loyal he is to Alex Grinch because it's not getting done right now. What they're doing on defense is not getting done. But um, So you have them at number at number eight, correct? Yes. Okay, so I'll go over to my number eight team, which is the uh, the Oregon Ducks, who I have at number eight right now, eighth also in the AP poll. Um, right now, USC, who has the second-best offense in the country in terms of EPA per play, like I said, Oregon currently – is number one in the country in terms of EPA per play. They had a great showing against Stanford, 42-6 to victory over the Cardinal. And now Oregon, like I said, number one in the country, also 15th in the country in defensive EPA per play. This is a well-coached team, man. I have loved, loved what I've seen from, from Coach Alex Stein on the offensive side of the ball, the new offensive coordinator. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit worried after they lost Kenny Dillingham to uh, Arizona State, who's now the Arizona State head coach. I thought he was one of the best OCs in the country. He obviously made Bo, he helped Bo Nix become the player he is now. And I thought, oh man, are we going to see Bo revert to his old self without Dillingham? Bo's looked phenomenal. Uh, that receiving core, Troy Franklin, looks fantastic right now, man. He could be pushing for a first round uh, slot at the end. That offensive line might be the best in the country right now. Um, Bucky Irving has been fantastic as well. That, Like I said, the defense with, with the way they're coached right now, with Dan Lanning there, I mean, he's a terrific defensive coach. They're playing really good football right now. 
is going to be tested in two weeks. They got a bye week this week. Then they got Washington coming up after that, which is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. I cannot wait for that. But that's going to be tested, man, against Michael Penix Jr. and that high-powered offense. But I like I liked a lot what I've seen from Oregon so far this season. But I, I'm not going to put them in the the top top half just yet because I just want to see a little bit more. Show me show me what you got against Washington, and then then we can start talking about them as a legit playoff team for me. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and you mentioned Washington too, and and we'll we'll segue right into my number seven being the Washington Huskies. Look, these two teams. Th- this was the hardest debate for me. Who's better between these two teams? And right now, we don't know because they're both so good, and they're going to play each other in twelve days. And it's gonna. It might be the game of the year. Honestly, it's. Yeah. You got two teams that are so stacked. I'll dig in on Washington real quick and circle back to the Ducks next. You got Michael Penix Jr., who's the highest graded quarterback in the country. They are second in pass protection behind Oregon, who is by far number one. And Oregon's only given up eight pressures all year, which is crazy. <laughs> but Washington right behind them at a 90. The number one receiving grade as a team. Look, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Romo Dunze. I don't think there is a better combination of three receivers on one team in the country. It, it, it's they, they have everything. They have everything. They have a top 25 defense in the grading. It's solid. You know, it, it's it's kind of what you're asking for from USC is can you just be above average? Can you help us out yeah. sometimes? Washington has that. Washington, they haven't played anybody great. But again, you know, I talked about it before with Missouri. If you're going to be great, you also have to blow out teams. You know, take care of business, right? Cal, blew them out. Michigan State, blew them out. This past week against Arizona, Penix didn't throw a touchdown. They only won 31-24. to 24. There's two ways about that. You could say, well, why are you playing so tight with Arizona? And then you can also say, well, Washington, okay, they can win a game like that. They can win 31 to 24, and they can rely a little bit on the run game and the defense. And Penix didn't throw a touchdown. It wasn't the prettiest day. They didn't get all the deep shots. I think only one big time throw on the day. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a question we just asked. So, you know, could you see USC winning a game 31 to 24? I don't know about that. But at least I've seen Washington do it, not play their best and win a ball game. I think that's big. I think it's a sign that is a sign of some great teams. And I think a lot, I think it's a theme for a lot of these teams in this top 10. So I'm not going to take anything away from Washington. Um, I, I think you get out of this Arizona game with a win and you get out healthy and the big ones are coming. Yeah. Right. I believe they, they have a bye week also going yep. into the Oregon game. You're going to get two fresh teams, two of the best offenses in the country. I'm, go- I'm going Washington at seven and I'll get into the reasoning for six in a moment. But they're just rock solid, man. I mean, they they have they have everything. They 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 have everything they have currently. You know, between Penix and Williams, to me, are probably the top two in some order for the Heisman right now. Yeah. Um. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah. I I just I can't say enough for how good he's been and how their entire offense. I I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I don't really know the answer to defending everything they have. Dude, the thing about Penix, just to kind of show how insane he has been the last two seasons, he is currently, you can check out Trevor Sikama's mock draft right now over at pff.com, does great stuff for us, obviously. Um, He has him right now in the top 20 of that mock draft. I want to remind people, this is a sixth-year quarterback who has two torn ACLs in his past, a shoulder injury in the past as well. Normally, you see two torn ACLs, a shoulder injury, sixth-year quarterback, most NFL teams would say, yeah, I don't want that guy. Yeah, keep that guy away from me. That is a lot of baggage that we're bringing on. 
He has played so freaking well over these last two seasons that NFL teams are like, you got to take him. I mean, he's looked phenomenal. Uh, he looks like an NFL uh, player. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vouch for this real quick. He's always had that level of talent. I'm not yeah. sure Indiana was the right place for him to be. So he's from – check this out. I got, I got a story. This is story time. He's from Tampa. He went to Tampa right. Bay Tech in Tampa. And I used to coach at St. Pete High. Okay. The year before I got there, St. Pete played – I've seen the tape on this. St. Pete played Tampa Bay Tech, and it was a playoff game. Went to double overtime. I believe he threw six touchdowns. And St. Pete, they had several college players on that team. Matt Landers, who was a receiver at Arkansas, among other places. Anthony Johnson, who's now with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, some Jalen Williams, who used to be at Toledo. They had several, several college-level players and a terrific – shout-out to Sean Davis, terrific defensive coordinator – and he put up, I believe it was 48 to 46. The game ended in six touchdowns. Uh, I, he's been this talented man forever since high school, since he was in Tampa. And he flashed it at Indiana outside of the injury. There's really nothing wrong with Penix at all other than the injuries. If you want a guy with just insane levels of talent and can do it all, Penix is it. And he's been like that forever. He, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he went to the right situation at Indiana. Um, they're just not. I think there was one year where they had some weapons, but other than that, it's just it's really just unfortunate how it's gone because he he could have been this prior to this. It shouldn't yeah. have taken to the fifth and sixth year. You know, he he could have easily stepped in as a freshman, sophomore, and just put up these types of numbers at the right school if he was healthy. But I I can tell you I've seen it since he was in high school, since he was 16, 17. This guy, this guy's got everything. It's crazy. Yeah. And and he can even make some throws off platform, off his back foot. He just needed to be in the right situation, and, and and he certainly is. And look, Washington, win a couple big games here. If you're that good, you you could see them in the playoff. They have all the potential in the world. Definitely, dude. Definitely, and yeah, that's a great point you make. Because I actually did some uh, NFL draft coverage a few years ago. And I had I loved him at Indiana, man. I loved him at Indiana. And so I agree with you. Like, yeah, you've seen this before. This isn't just like some brand new quarterback who wasn't good at Indiana and all of a sudden has turned into a superstar. Yes, the offense at Washington has really helped him. Ryan Grubb, the OC there is phenomenal. Um, and Kalen DeBoer, obviously, is a great offensive-minded head coach. And you got all the receivers there, the offensive line, like you mentioned. So, yes, it is a very advantageous offense for a quarterback to be in. But at the same time, that offense, like you said, is humming right now because of number nine because of Michael Penix Jr. So I completely agree with you. Um, he has been fantastic. I might even argue he deserves a Heisman Trophy right now, but I think Caleb, He, I, I agree with you, he and Caleb are the clear two front runners uh, for the Heisman Trophy, which we will talk about in a couple of weeks, by the way, uh, our weekly top five Heisman candidates so I'm excited about. But I'll get into my number seven team quickly. You did a great job covering them. It is my uh, my Penn State Indy Lions. I dropped them from number six last week to number seven this week. And yes, they beat Northwestern 41 to 13 backdoor covered that 27 point spread by the way which is the second time James Franklin has backdoor covered a spread did it against West Virginia scoring like the last play of the game to cover the spread basically did the same thing this week against Northwestern um covering the spread as well which I don't blame him for honestly because you look you know if, if voters aren't watching Penn State games they look at it and say oh they beat him by 28 oh they covered the spread you know they're getting the job done we who watch the games a lot are telling you there's some issues with this Penn State team, specifically on offense. Um, man, there this is a this is a rough, rough offensive uh, t- 
team around Drew Aller right now because Drew Aller has been fantastic. I th- you can make a strong argument he's at least the second or third best quarterback in the Big Ten, maybe even the best compared to what all the players around him right now. But right now, Penn State's offense in terms of grading is 19th in the country in passing grade, which is Drew Aller. 51st in rushing grade, 60th in receiving grade, 53rd in pass blocking grade, and 85th in run blocking grade. This offense is solely, right now, relying on Drew Aller. It reminds me a lot, honestly, of that UNC offense with Drake May, where it's just like, hey, Drake, if, if you're not on, man, we're not scoring. That's what it feels like a little bit with Drew Aller, because that offensive line is really struggling, even with Olu Fushanu playing lights out as a, as a pass protector. That offensive line, the run game, is really struggling to get pushed. Then the running backs can't really do much when they're getting tackled immediately when they get the handoff, and Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton are both stud running backs. I'm worried, man. And yes, the defense is you know currently first in the country in EPA per play. But like you mentioned, they played Iowa, they played Illinois, they played Northwestern, they played West Virginia. This has been a pretty easy and played Delaware as well. Pretty easy schedule in terms of the offenses that you're facing. We'll see in a couple weeks when they got Ohio State um, because that that should be a big test. But yeah, Penn State number seven. I'm not all the way out on this team yet because I do think Drew Aller is really good. And I think that defense, even though they played a weak slate so far, is still a really good defense. But the rest of that offense scares me a little bit right now. So I I do have them at number seven. I do want to caution people from being too high on this Nittany Lion team right now. Yeah, I'm with you totally. I I think it's prove it time. Um, Yeah. You know, you get a bye week, week of practice. You get UMass, a week of practice, and a Saturday of practice. And, and it's just prove it time. This is the time for Penn State. Uh, you know, if they're going to do it, if Aller's going to be special, if the rest of them are going to step up, um, doing it against Ohio State, it, it's got to be the time. Now, they don't have to score a bunch of points. I think I think it's going to be, you're going to see, much like the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, yeah. very defensive game. McCord's not going to tear them up. Yep. He's going to try to play clean and win the same way they did against Notre Dame, which is cool. I, that's the type of team Ohio State is. You're going to see them playing games like that all season. Even this week, yeah. they're going to try to slow this game down, front seven, run the ball, all that stuff against Maryland too. Penn State, you know, if Aller can't at least elevate the offense above what McCord does for Ohio State, then they won't they won't win. They yeah. just they need to be it sounds funny for a team that just won by 28 and 38 nothing over Iowa. They need to be better, and I think I think there's uh, there's another team we're going to talk about. Uh, probably two more teams we're going to talk about soon here. That I believe the same thing. I think Penn State is a team at five and zero. Oh, I think you put it best. They did what they needed to. They took yeah. care of business, and they at some point, okay, taking care of business, yeah, gets you in the top twelve to fourteen. Sure, getting into the top six, top four isn't about just taking care of business. Mm-hmm. It's it's about the big moments, right? And and there's every year in in the in the Big 10 East, there's two big moments for all those teams. Ohio State game, Michigan game, and you know for the other two, the Penn State game. Yeah, and Penn State unfortunately usually ends up on, you know, as the third wheel in that. They they're the ones who just don't prove it often enough or against both. So, it's 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 prove it time. Yeah. It is. It, it's coming. And we're just going to find out what they're made of against the Buckeyes. I, I I don't need to see any more of Penn State against against Illinois and against Northwestern. I, I don't need to see it. I know they're that good. I know they're one of the 15 best teams in the country. That's not a question. There is no question Penn State will end up in the top 15, potential New Year's 6, all that stuff. 
can this offense elevate itself? If you tell me you've got the best left tackle in the country and you think you've got the most talented QB in Penn State history and you've got Allen and Singleton and you've got all this stuff, they have to prove it in big moments because right now it still looks like they aren't, they're just not clicking on all cylinders and they are there because of their talent. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And the other thing I want to bring out quickly about Penn State and why I think I'm not all the way out on them yet. Drew Aller has played really well under pressure so far this season. Right now, I think he's around the top 15 quarterbacks in terms of under pressure grade. So even if the offensive line's not holding up, he's still performing. So if he was, like I mentioned, Caleb Williams struggling under pressure, if he was one of those quarterbacks that did struggle under pressure, this would be a much bigger issue, man, for, for Drew Aller. But he is elevating this offense right now, so I want to give him credit. But it's going to be a different animal, man, when you got Ohio State and Michigan. So, yeah, that, we're, we're all, both a little bit lower on the Nitty Lions, who currently are still number six in the AP poll. But, Dalton, ultimately, who is your number six team right now that you have? Um, this was the hardest debate for me. So, I just had Washington at seven. I got the Oregon Ducks six. This, this was probably the hardest part. I knew I wanted USC behind them both. Um, but at six and seven, it was a long, long thought process of, Oregon and Washington, what order they would be in. I love them both. Um, the difference to me, I'm going to kind of take the resume route, is what Oregon did to Colorado. Um, Washington hasn't done that to a team of that caliber yet. Uh, I think Colorado is still – they're still going to win eight, maybe even nine games. And you've got Shadour. We mentioned the top two. We're, we're going to piece this list together officially in a couple of weeks, but I was kind of going through it in my head. And I was like, man, I'd probably have Shadour third in Heisman right now still. Um, just – the difference, what Oregon did to them looking so much better uh, on both sides of the ball in the trenches. You also have the team with the best pass protection by far in the country. A 94.9 pass pro grade is nuts. Yeah. I, I can't. The best teams usually hover where Washington's at, at about a 90, which is incredible. And they're at almost a 95. They've give, Again, they've given up eight pressures. One of them, I think, was on a running back. Seven pressures all year in five games from their offensive line. I, I, I can't even – Bo Nix can stand back there and eat dinner. I mean, it's <laughs> nuts. He's He's been his usual really, really solid self. Jordan James, is he's got the second-best rushing grade in the country. Bucky Irving is in the top 20 – what is he, 22nd in rushing. They, they've just got so – it's so efficient right now offensively with their O-line, their running game, the action off it, and everything Nick's can do when he's clean in the pocket. And their defense, you mentioned it before. Look, there's six in the country in coverage grade, and yeah. they're only giving up 4.8 yards per attempt, which is fourth best in the country. So they're keeping – and there's not like one standout guy who's like, oh, this corner is great in a 92, and the rest of them are keeping up. Like this isn't a – like a Darrell Rivas type of thing or something like that. Their entire group just plays so well together. They're so balanced on defense. It's not the like best defense in the country, but they're so like solid across the board that they're hard to deal with. Like just everything. I'm not sure there's a single, there's probably not a single like first round pick on their defense. No. But they're so good and they play so well together that it just Sometimes those are the teams that are harder to beat, honestly. Yeah. There's just no holes. You know, it's kind of what sometimes, you know, some of, one of the PFF theories in the secondary is you're as strong as your weakest link. Well, they don't really have one. Like, they just – every guy is just solid. They do their job. You know, it was a struggle a little bit against Texas Tech, but that's because, you know, Shuck ran the ball a lot. It wasn't really because he was slinging it all over them. They're, they're going to be fun to watch this secondary against Penix and against Williams – and you saw what they did to Sanders, which looking back at what now Sanders did to USC, 
is even more impressive to me for Oregon. So the combination of their secondary and their trench play, even though I put Knicks between the three teams pretty clearly as the third best quarterback, but still really good. The, Oregon's so well-rounded, and it's hard it's hard to drop a team down like that too low. So number six, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about what they did to Colorado. Six, just ahead of Washington. And honestly, if I could just call them tied for six, I really would. I <laughs> yeah. think this Oregon-Washington game again, it might be the best game we watch all year. They're, they're both, they both have everything you could ask for in a football team. It's it's nuts how balanced they are. Dude, and last year is one of the best games of the year as well when Penix and Knicks went up against each other. So, you know, if last year was any indication, we're in for another classic this year, man, which I cannot wait for. So that leaves it perfectly. I have, I have Washington here at sixth. Um, yes, they, you know, they, they struggled a little bit with Arizona, who really isn't that great of a team. Uh, but – you know, other four games are winning by an average of 33 points. I mean, Washington, you can make the argument, no team probably has looked as dominant as Washington, or few have, really, through the first, you know, five games of the season. So, I have Washington here at number six. That offense is fantastic. The defense, like you said, is good enough, which is what USC needs right now. They got some good players on that side of the ball. Braylon Trice uh, is kind of falling off a little bit, but he still could be a, a day one or day two pick in the NFL draft at edge defender. And like you mentioned, that offense, man, what the coaches that they have on offense, and the players that they have on offense, there might not be a better combination of coaches and players and personnel in, on offense in the country. I mean, you can make a strong... You know, I'll go back on that. USC is probably that because Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, but Washington is, is a close second, man, because of what they have in DeBoer and Ryan Grubb at OC, who Alabama tried to poach as their OC, um, and he stayed at Washington. And you got all those receivers, and you got, uh, obviously, Michael Penix Jr., offensive line's playing really well, second behind USC, I would say, in terms of the personnel they got, both in coaching staff and in terms of the players they have on offense. So, yeah, man, Washington is really good. But, Dolan, top five time now. Who was your number five team in college football? Top five. All right, number five. And I admittedly have some friends from Florida who are going to be mad about this, but I'm going with the Florida State Seminoles. Yeah. Look, I, I think this is another team very much like Penn State and a little bit like USC. They've earned it. Look, I, you know, looking at Florida State's schedule, when you see in the first four weeks they have LSU and they have at Clemson, boy, that's that's – you know, that's earning it early. Yeah. It is. And I think the bye week couldn't come at a better time for them. But they do need to be better. Their front seven has to be better. They were better in this last Clemson game at 83.9 run defense grade. By far their best of the season because we were up against Boston College against the run. They look awful. I mean, they, they the run in the boot game was killing them. But look, Jordan Travis, when you have Travis and you have Coleman, you have Johnny Wilson, you can will your teams to win. And, and, and they did. They willed themselves to a win with their best players against Clemson. And and honestly, I don't take the total result like at Clemson and like, you know, you could watch the tape and break it all down. Look, facts are facts. Anytime, I don't care who you are, anytime you come out of Clemson with a win, that's a good day. So I think the bye week's at a perfect time. I do think they need to get better. If they are the same team that they've been the last two weeks, look, they're playing Duke. Duke is a problem on defense. They're playing Miami. Miami's offense is rolling. They are absolutely – Tyler Van Dyke is slinging the ball all over the place. They are rolling. They play Florida, who – Florida State is better than Florida. But it's very similar to what we talked about with Clemson against Florida State and with Florida against Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Florida stylistically could cause them problems later in the year, and they're going to be jacked up. If Florida State's 11-0, you can bet the Gators are going to be jacked up to play that game. So it's – Florida State has a lot in front of them, and probably – 
one of those teams or even North Carolina in the ACC title game. There's a long way to go, but Florida State, even though I wouldn't say across the board they've played better than Oregon, Washington, say like that, but wins against LSU and at Clemson speak. Okay, and when you have Jordan Travis, you have a chance. They need to get better, but they've earned their way, I think, to this spot. I think they've also earned their way the last two weeks, especially against BC, out of the top four. So yeah. number five, again, there's going to be people mad at me for this, but number five felt right to me. They, I, I don't think they are playing at a playoff like super elite level. I think Travis is. Jordan Travis is. Keon Coleman's a monster. I'll tell you what. He was something to watch coming from Michigan State. You could see him deep ball, contested catches. I think he was second in deep grade last year behind Marvin Harrison in the Big Ten. I didn't think he'd be this good. Yeah. What, what, Ke- what Keon Coleman's doing. I mean, he's got, I think, I think Trevor has him in, in the first round somewhere of, of the mock draft Dude, now all he has of a sudden. Top 10 in the mock draft. Top 10. I th- yeah. I, I mean, what Keon Coleman's doing and Johnny Wilson, um, he's six, seven. I mean, it's just, you just win. <laughs> yeah. They, they, I think they did it right in that Clemson game. Win with your best players. Florida State's best players can play with anybody. Anybody. Yeah. They just need to keep working on the rest of it, especially in the trenches. They need a more consistent running game with Benson and Tofili and whoever else. And and the front seven, the front seven has to be better because they're playing Van Dyke. They're we'll see if they're playing Riley Leonard. I haven't heard anything about that injury. They're playing Drake. They might play Drake May in the ACC title game. You got to be good in the front seven to beat some of these quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Riley Leonard does not have a season-ending injury, but Pete Thamel, I believe, is the one who reported that it is um, going to be a multiple-week injury. So, I don't know exactly when they – I'm looking right now. They play Duke October 21st. So, that's – I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what the timetable is, but that's, you know, 19 days away. I don't know. I hopefully, felt so, hopefully, it felt so bad for him, too. He, I mean, they just they just gutted it out, man. That was like the the worst way that game could have ended, too, because Duke Duke played – I mean, I got nothing against Duke. I'm not even sure. I think they dropped five spots in the rankings, and I'm yeah. not even really sure they should have. They Their defense is a real problem. They, they played a gutsy game. It sucked for it to end that way, man. Oh, no, it, and they lost on, you know, Sam Hartman – making a, a miracle fourth and I think 16 run. And then, yeah, estimate. Yeah, it was tough, man. It was a tough loss for Duke. And, you know, Riley Leonard's a terrific kid, man, too. We have an interview with him as well. He's a as good as he is as a quarterback, man. He's even better uh, as, as a person, man. He, he's fantastic. But I got Florida State number five as well. Um, it might seem a little bit weird for people who have kept up to date with my rankings. I had Florida State third last week. Now they're number five after a bye week, and people are like, how on earth are you dropping a team two spots after a bye week? But it's, it's a few things. So one, LSU just lost its second game of the season. So that LSU win, while it is impressive, and while LSU still probably is a it, top 25-ish team in the country, that loses some luster as well. Duke lost as well, and I know Florida State hasn't played Duke yet, but Clemson lost to Duke. So it's kind of like you, look, you go through all these things right now, and, and Ohio State we'll get into in a little bit beat Notre Dame, the team that beat Duke. So all of a sudden, Ohio State's resume, I think, looks a little bit better than Florida State. So there's a lot of, you know, mental gymnastics I'm going through in these rankings, but that's why I dropped them two spots after not playing a game. But, yeah, you mentioned it, man. I mean, LSU and Clemson, you know, those are two tough games. Even though both teams have two losses already this season, those are still two 
at least top 25 teams in the country, in my opinion, in terms of how good they are. Not in terms of should, where they should be ranked, but in terms of how good they are, I'd argue both are still top 25 teams in the country. Uh, now they got uh, kind of a week, they had a bye week. Now they have Virginia Tech. And it's interesting, Dalton, because they're favored by 25.5 points over a struggling Hokie team. They were also favored by 25.5 points over Boston College. And they squeaked by with a two-point victory. So I'm interested in seeing the, you know, how they do now after playing two really tough games in Boston and two really close games, excuse me, in Boston College and Clemson. Now you got a, another easier opponent in Virginia Tech. Can you handle business? Now I do think the one thing I'll say before we move on, I think Florida State's issues are somewhat fixable. They have talent in that front seven. This isn't like a Duke or not, excuse me, a USC or Penn State where I'm like, man, that offense, I don't know if they can fix it. Like I don't know if the O-line can be fixed. I don't know if the receiving core can be fixed at Penn State. USC has not proved uh, Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch have not proven to have a capable defense in seven years. Like I don't know if they could fix that either. Florida State, they have Jared Verse, they got Braden Fisk on that defensive line. The linebackers are an issue, yes, but that defensive line should you know be a lot better than what it is right now. Hopefully, after this bye week, they come back and they're a lot better. And they, they showed that they were a lot better against Clemson, too. So I'm holding out hope on that defensive line, but it is an issue now for sure. Um, but now I guess we're getting into what would be our college football playoff right now, Dalton. Who is your uh, who's your number four team in the country? Oh, it's time to ruffle some feathers. This oh, is gonna no. be a, this is gonna be a fun one. We've already no. we've already annoyed the state of Utah, and now I'm going a completely different direction. We're gonna hear about it. Number four, I have your two-time defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Wow. Um, this, um, look, oh boy, this is an eye test one okay. for me. And, and not even the eye test necessarily. Look, they are outside the top 12 in both offense and defense grading. Okay. They, other than Brock Bowers, who is the best tight end in the country, and you're going to get some numbers in on that in a minute. Yeah. And Malachi Starks, who's the highest-graded safety in the country, hasn't missed a tackle, two picks, four pass breakups, holding up the back end really well. Georgia can really cover. But Georgia, they haven't played a particularly tough schedule, right? South Carolina, Auburn, UAB, they, they haven't played a tough schedule. And they don't look they don't look like the best team in the country. They are number one in the country in the AP in every poll because they haven't lost a game in forever. They've won two straight titles. It's kind of the reputation, prestige. Kind yeah. of, I'm going to be honest with you. They don't look like the best team in the country. They struggled for a half with UAB. They struggled for more than well more than a half against South Carolina. And they didn't take the lead against Auburn until there was under three minutes left, two and a half minutes left, and Brock Bowers just took the game over. I don't know that Georgia has a ton of answers offensively first. Look, Carson, their pass protection is really good, but it's kind of – uplifted by Carson Beck getting rid of the ball two 2.35 seconds he's getting rid of the ball right now it's six fastest in the country okay he gets rid of the ball he gets it out quick he generally makes good enough decisions right at the sticks you see I saw a lot of first downs to McConkey they're kind of like figuring out how to get first downs for now and then waiting for Brock Bowers to pop off right the run game is not as elite as we've seen in past years it, it doesn't look like Edwards is like Todd Gurley or DeAndre Swift or one of those guys they've had. It's just, he's solid, really, really solid. But I'm not seeing like, I'm not seeing a ton of, other than Bowers, I don't see a ton of dynamic on Georgia's offense, okay? And their defense looks a little more, almost Starks is the standout, but, you know, I kind of described Oregon where they're more solid across the board than anything great, like having a Jalen Carter 
or or these uh, you know Nicobe Dean or these crazy level of talent they've had. I know there's guys who are going to be first round picks down the line, right? But their defense looks more across the board solid, really solid, fundamentally sound. It's Kirby Smart still, right? He's still yeah. going to run a top ten to fifteen defense out there. He could he could run a a bunch of lesser guys out there. He could go to a conference USA team and run a top 10 defense, but they're also the one big thing is a pass rush. We've mentioned this. I think we mentioned this last week or the week before they right now only have eight sacks on the season in five games. They are just not winning up front. The pass rush, the pass rush grade is 90th. Their pressure rate is 95th and they only have eight sacks. Eventually now the sec East is not loaded with quarterbacks by any means. And and we just – honestly, you could argue right now that Brady Cook is the best quarterback in the SEC East, which kind of tells you all you need to know. Tennessee's up and down. It's not Graham Mertz. Um, it, you, you could make that argument. Um, you know, the Kentucky just won a game, what, throwing the ball for like 80 yards or something. They just yeah. ran Ray Davis all day on Florida – I'm curious. I'm I'm a little worried about Georgia's pass rush. And offensively, there's still just too long. There's prolonged stretches in games where they're just not consistently moving the football. And honestly, if Auburn had any passing game at all, they would have won. I, I I'm just the I, I know I know it's gonna be a thing, and the dogs are supposed to be number one because they're the, the two time defending champs and all that stuff, but just they don't look like the best team in the country. I'm going to still throw them at four. I debated putting Florida State at four. I thought about it and dropping Georgia out. I don't think Georgia should deserve to be dropped out until we see them lose or if it starts really a continued struggle. But it, it does not look – this doesn't look like the last two Georgia teams other than Bowers. Look, if Brock Bowers goes and wins a national title as the one huge weapon on their team – I, I, how do you not take him? He's probably, he might be the highest drafted tight end ever. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's just I I don't I don't know this time. I, call me a doubter, throw me in the boat, whatever. They don't look like the best team, and and I think honestly they'll they're gonna have a reasonably easy ride to the SEC title game. Here's here's my question for you. Georgia goes to the Georgia Dome tomorrow. And plays Alabama with Milrow in there. Who's winning? I uh, I would say Georgia. The fact that you're thinking that long thinking about, about it, though, it. after yeah, what it, we've it, been it saying about Alabama, tells me a lot. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I, I just I think I think honestly, if Bama's going to get it rolling with Milrow, and those two have to play. And the way Georgia's playing, I, I'm really not sure. I don't know. Yeah, one of the one of these teams, Alabama's starting to find it with Milrow. Georgia's it's a real it's really inconsistent offensively right now. It I, is. I, Beck Beck is doing what he needs to do, but he's only got three big time throws in five games, and he just gets rid of the ball and throws the ball right at the sticks. Yeah, that something other than Bowers, someone other than Bowers has to become dynamic. Because Bowers, we've seen this even before in games. We were screaming for him to get the ball more. Now he did, and he carried him to an Auburn win. Cool. But if Auburn has any quarterback at all, they're they're probably winning that game. So I, I'm 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 starting I'm starting to worry about the cracks in Georgia on offense and in the pass rush. Yeah. 
No, I think that's completely fair, man. And uh, it, the offense, we'll get into Georgia in a little bit, but the, uh, the that offensive firepower, how that's lacking right now, is, is a little surprising to me, man, because I really thought this was one of the best receiving cores in the country. You know, besides Bowers, they got Lad McConkie, who's a really good receiver. Dominic Lovett was fantastic last year at Missouri. I mean, I think he led the Power Five or was second in the Power Five, I think, in yards per route run last year. Marcus Roseby Jackson's pretty good. Rara Thomas was Mississippi State's leading receiver. He's one of Georgia's backup receivers right now. Like it they have a talent. It's just it, it's not getting done. It's not Beck's problem either. Like I think Beck's played pretty what he needs to do, like you said. But, uh, yeah, I, I have Georgia – we'll get into Georgia a little bit. But I, I have Georgia higher than four. I have Ohio State at four right now. Um, they had a bye week this week um, after that thrilling win over Notre Dame. And now you got another tough battle this week, man, with Maryland. I, again, I have Maryland – I said it before. I have them as a top-20 team in the country right now. They're not ranked currently. But this is a test, man, because Talia Tungavailoa is fantastic – but that Ohio State defense is also fantastic. They, you know, we mentioned before how uh, Georgia's pass rush and overall front seven is maybe the weak point of that defense. That is the strength of this Ohio State team right now. Um, that receiving core is obviously fantastic, but the strength of this Ohio State team is that that front seven is probably the best in the country right now. Between all the guys you got in the defensive line, Michael Hall Jr., JT Tuimaloao, uh, Jack Sawyer, who's played really well. Um, Tyreek Williams, who's also played pretty well. And then, obviously, uh, Tommy Eichenberg, a linebacker, who I think is definitely one of the best linebackers in the country. He was an All-American for us last year at PFF. Uh, that front seven is lethal, man. So, Talia's got a, a big test this week, but I'm not fully sold on Kyle McCord yet. That's why they're not a little bit higher, even after beating Notre Dame. Um, but he, he still has the best set of weapons in the country at his disposal with Marvin Harrison Jr., with Emeka Ibuka, Kate Stover has played fantastic this season at tight end. And then those running backs, too. you got Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, man. That's a really good run game as well, even though Mayan Williams has really not received that much workload this year. But, yeah, man, I still like Ohio State, but the offensive line concerns me. I'm not sold on McCord yet. I have them at four now. I have them at four. They might jump up a little bit higher after the Maryland game. We'll see because I, I do like Maryland a lot. But we'll see, man. I have Ohio State at number four. But who is, uh, who's your number three team, Dalton? It's actually the Buckeyes. We're going to segue right into the same thing. Look, they they have a lot. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I you know I kind of like. I, I know it's kind of a controversial thing. I kind of like how Ryan Day stuck up for his team after the game. I know some things. I know some things were said, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. You mentioned their front seven might be the best in the country. It's the second highest graded defensive line in the country. All right. Denzel Burke is a terrific corner. Yep. Eichenberg and Chambers at linebacker. They're loaded defensively. Look, Ohio State, this is not going to be Dwayne Haskins, CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, high flying. It's not. No. Just accept it now that Ohio State actually, for the moment, is kind of like, well, it's kind of like the new Michigan where yeah. physical complimentary football. You've got the weapons. Don't get me Harrison and Abuka are as good as it gets. And Kate Stover, I think, has been terrific. I think he's the eighth eighth best tight end in the country right now, somewhere in the eighth. Yeah, he's the eighth highest graded tight end in the country. Travion Henderson can pop off at any time. They're loaded just about everywhere except at quarterback. But McCord, I'm a little – I kind of like what I'm seeing. It's it's gutsy. It's working through – they're still 4-0, uh, 4-0, I think it is. Yeah. They're still winning games. He's playing complimentary football. He made throws against Notre Dame when he needed. I think it's another one. You play a top 10 team on the road, just like Florida State and Clemson. Clemson's not top 10, but it's a hard place. 
get out of there with a win. Don't care how. Can be coaching. Can be McCord. Could be anything. They did get outplayed for a lot of the game, but you came out with a win. And now you go into a bye week, and 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 Maryland's going to be tough. You know, Talia's he's throwing the ball like crazy right now. He looks really, really good. But Ohio State, same thing as Penn State. Ohio State's that step up now. Talia's got to prove he can beat that team. And if I remember right, I think Maryland played them tough last year. He did. But McCord, I like it a lot going forward for one for McCord's confidence, okay, to win a game like that, your first big game. He didn't play anybody the weeks before that, even his first start against Indiana. It's a conference game. It's Indiana. It, it's just not, you know, the juices are flowing the first game. He clearly threw a couple balls into traffic because he was nervous. But I, I see, I think what it's going to do for his poise and I think the confidence that, you know, I think Ryan Day, and to be honest with you, if they win the Big Ten or they go a long way or, or even a New Year's Six, this is – I have to consider this Ryan Day's best coaching job, what yeah. he's doing with this defense. And I know the weapons are there. And what he has to – what he has to scale it back with this quarterback. No question. I mean, he does. But there's nothing that tells me – I don't think from what I saw in the Notre Dame game that McCord is going to, like, blow their season. I, I just don't think – I think he can play clean football. There will come a time. Maybe when they play Penn State, maybe certainly when they play Michigan, that he's going to have to be a dude, like a real dude for like maybe even a quarter, maybe not a whole game, but like I'm going to need you to be one of those guys for a little bit. You know, he's not going to do it every week, but I think Ohio State, you have the win at Notre Dame. You have easily a top five defense that you could argue at number one. Weapons everywhere. Travion Henderson and the run game works. I, I think I've got Ohio State three, and the quarterback is the only reason, honestly, I don't have them higher because it's just McCord is getting by. But I think for them in his first year and all that stuff, getting by so far has worked. So I, I'm, I'm going to let it ride at number three. I know everybody from Georgia is going to kill that because Georgia, you know, they're going to say, well, what's the difference between Ohio State and Georgia? Georgia didn't win at Notre Dame. That's yeah. really kind of the tiebreaker for me. They're very similar teams, to be honest with you. Really, I think Ohio State's better at receiver, and Georgia, by the grading, at least is a little bit better at quarterback. But Ohio State has the signature win, or at least one of them. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think McCord scares me. Not scares me, but I think McCord is a clear not weakness I, I keep going back on myself but i think mccord is okay i think he's fine i think he'll get the job done he's kind of like a carson beck a little bit where he's not going to elevate you too much but he's also not gonna be terrible either i think beck's a little bit better than him but yeah man it, they don't have the high flying offenses here as a defensive team but my number three team right now is uh the texas longhorns who resume wise if you're just looking at resume this is the number one team in the country because they beat Alabama at Alabama when Alabama was the number three team in the country. They beat number 24 Kansas most recently uh, at Texas. Now, of course, Jalen Daniels was not playing. That was a late, late scratch that we unfortunately did not know. We would have, of course, changed our previews a lot. To own, probably would have picked uh, Texas in that game if he knew Jalen. If, if, if only we were mind readers, of course. <laughs> if only we were psychics. Yeah, I right? Immediately when they're like, oh, Jalen Daniels is not warming up, I, I – hit up you and I was like dude I feel so bad for you that you picked Kansas in this upset because this came out of nowhere he had back tightness or something like that he had back issues last year too uh he wasn't able to go hopefully he gets better soon man but yeah they beat Kansas at least though Kansas number 24 in the country I'm pretty sure 
No other team is. I'm I'm almost 99% sure no other team has two top 25 wins so far this season. So Texas is one of them though, and they got a chance for a third this weekend, man. With uh with number 12 Oklahoma, I have them number 10. But uh, yeah, man, this Texas team, and if they beat Oklahoma, and if they beat them badly, and they win convincingly, I might have to put them at number one just out of pure respect because this is what they've done Alabama they won pretty convincingly they won by 10 points in that game they beat Kansas pretty convincingly obviously without Jalen Daniels but if they beat Oklahoma who I'm very high on pretty convincingly again it's gonna be tough for me to not have Texas number one man because I do think what they've done so far this season has been it's the best resume in college football I think they have the best resume in college football I do have some question marks around Mostly Quinn Ewers, who has been a little bit up and down this year. He was great in the Alabama game, but he's been inconsistent in the other games. Some questions about him, but that defense is playing really well. The receiving core is still fantastic. The offensive line is playing pretty well. And Jonathan Brooks has really emerged, man, as a, a star running back for them after losing Bijan Robinson and Rashawn Johnson. they got another great running back right now in Jonathan Brooks, man. So everywhere on this team I'm pretty sold on, except you know I'm not all the way there on Quinn Ewers yet as a guy who can win a national championship, but he has the talent to. Uh, I'm just not all the way sold on the Longhorns winning it all with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, but we'll see. We'll see what they got this weekend against Oklahoma. Yeah, and and we'll we'll just roll right into it. I have Texas at two. Um, the resume speaks, man, you win at Tuscaloosa by 10, big time. And, and look, Kansas is a good team. They're a darn good team, and and it's it's terrible that Jalen Daniels couldn't play in that game because honestly, that would have been a I, I believe that would have been a tight game with Jalen Daniels in there. But for Texas again, a take care of business thing. You still have a team that's number twenty four. Bean has played a lot. You know, he's played a lot. He is not oh, yeah. the worst backup quarterback you could have. Very good all. backup quarterback. I say he was great at North Texas when he played there. Yeah, he graded out really well there. So yeah, I, I agree. He's a great backup quarterback. Right. So and and for them to go in and really, you know, halftime it was close, but for the game to end forty to fourteen over a ranked team who who, you know, still caused them some problems in the run game, especially big time win still. I think, you know, so the national championship question with Ewers and all of that. It's going to get answered as we go. Okay. Now it's Red River week, right? It's this is, this is as usual, the biggest game in the Big 12. It's going to be the biggest game in the Big 12. The winner of this game has every opportunity to run the table and yep. be the number, really the number one team in the country. Yeah. Really. Ewers, it's frustrating sometimes because he's got Brooks behind him now, 218 yards against Kansas. If they get balance, that's going to help them yeah. big time because defensively, they're playing great. They're 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 forcing turnovers. They've got it's nasty guys up front. Savandre Sweat's the highest graded defensive tackle in the country right now. You know Byron Murphy's not far behind him. They're only they're allowing less than thirteen points a game. Their defense is holding up their end, man. They go into Tuscaloosa. They hold that team to twenty four. You hold a dangerous Kansas offense even without Daniels to fourteen. You know we we posed the question last week. Maybe they're a defensive team that yeah. just needs the offense to just get it done, right? And it's if they have balance team. with Brooks, that's fantastic. Ewers, Ewers is frustrating sometimes, man, because he's got you have Worthy and Whittington and Mitchell, and you have all these weapons. you got everything you could want. And there's times. There are single – for some reason, I don't know if it's the build or the throwing motion, for some reason, when he's throwing the ball properly, like to the right spots and just zinging it with conviction, I saw it against – we've seen it twice now against Alabama, which is odd, where – when he's on, he looks like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he, he, he just 
it, 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 I don't know why. I don't know if it's, I think they have similar throwing mode. There's something that's throwing me in that direction, but it's just, I, I need it consistently. It's the one thing where I go this week. Do you have another, do you have another like 90 passing grade in you? Do you have this in you in the biggest game of the year? Because, you know, it's, you know, the problem is like the last couple years, the Alabama game was kind of thought like on, to be the biggest game of the year, and he played incredibly well. But this game is going to decide the conference. This is ha- this actually more than the Bama game has the most ramifications towards the playoffs. So it, it's about consistently consistency on offense. They need to run the ball better, and, and they did starting last week. 218 from Brooks is obviously fantastic on only 21 carries. You know, so they have everything. They have two signature wins, and they just need, again, keep getting better as the season goes on. This is going to be – it's Oklahoma week. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be tight. It's going to take everything you have to win this game. But if you get through this one and you keep playing consistent football, there's no reason they couldn't run the table. So I, I've got them at two on the two big wins and just – just yeah, that's really – I mean, like you said, the resume speaks for itself. Um, they just need – I would need a little more consistency, especially offensively, to put them at the top spot. Yeah, I, I think a, if you're ranking purely off of who deserves to be number one, I think they are number ones. So I have no issue with people who, who want to put them number one. I'm just a little bit not all the way here. And you, you mentioned Quinera's man. I mean, he's got the talent. This is not like it's a you know talent issue with him. I mean, you look at uh, the highest-rated quarterback recruit since 2010, according to On3's industry ranking. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. Number two, Justin Fields. Number three, ironically, is Arch Manning, who is Quinn Evers' backup right now, and probably a guy that we'll be talking about pretty soon, uh, next year at least. Four is Bryce Young. Five is Quinn Evers. So you got three guys who were first-round picks, three guys who are currently starting NFL quarterbacks uh, in the top five quarterback recruits since 2010 in terms of how highly they were rated coming out of high school. And the other two are in Texas's quarterback room right now. So they got some talent in the quarterback room. It's just you got to put it together now. So it's weird, man. It's weird that we're talking about Texas and Ohio State as defensive teams when before the season all anyone could talk about was the weapons that both these teams had. So they have the opportunity to both become the most well-rounded teams in the country. It's just about whether or not their quarterbacks, Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers, can step up and deliver those insane weapons the ball consistently. And hopefully Jatavion Sanders, who suffered an injury, one of the best tight ends in the country, he's able to go uh, pretty soon too because he is another massive weapon for them. But uh, So you have them at number two, correct? Yes. Okay, so I have number two. I have Michigan at number two, who – has looked phenomenal. This is the Michigan team that we thought we, uh, we've we had the last couple of years where they won the last two Big Ten championships, made the last two college football playoffs. They've looked great, man. They just beat uh, Nebraska 45-7. to Every single game this season, Michigan has won by at least 24 points. However, the one thing I will say, and we'll, we'll get into their schedule right now, their first – so they played uh, four, five games so far this season. Their first nine games on their schedule, none of those nine teams are in the top 30 of PFF's power rankings. And eight of those nine teams are not in the top 50 of PFF's power rankings. And so far uh, – the best team that Michigan's played so far this season has been Rutgers, who is 55th in our power rankings. Everyone else is outside the top 80 of our power rankings. So I struggle. I don't know you're going to have Michigan at number one, and I I, I think that's fair because I think they've 
you can make a strong argument they are the best team in the country. I just struggle knocking off the team that I have at number one just because I don't think anyone's truly earned it yet. Now, Texas could after this week against Oklahoma, but I don't think Michigan, with what they've done in the five games they played, they blew everyone out. They look fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I just think those five games, man, are way too easy. And the team at number one, I mean, it's not a surprise, but I have Georgia still at number one. Georgia's beaten at least two the two of the teams that Georgia's beaten in, in South Carolina and Auburn are better than any team that Michigan's beaten so far this season. So I, I, I struggle putting Michigan above them for now only because we haven't seen Michigan do it against a quality opponent yet. And we won't see Michigan do it against a quality opponent until they play Penn State in mid-November. Their last three games of the season are against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. That's a brutal three-week stretch for the Wolverines. But like I said, the, the first nine games are, are really easy. So I have them at number two. They look fantastic. I picked Michigan to win it all before the season, and I still would believe that. But I'm just not going to put them at number one just yet just because they haven't done it against a quality opponent so far this season. So I have a number two. Yeah, yeah, I got them in the top spot. And and I think it's the easy schedule is what it is. But, uh, you know, Georgia, look, South Carolina and Auburn aren't great teams. They're better than Rutgers, but they're not great teams. And they've really it, – it was a struggle for Georgia. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that Michigan would struggle with those two teams. I Look, yeah. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy's the seventh highest graded quarterback in the country. They have two of the top 10 defensive tackles. They have two of the top 13 defensive ends, you know, with so, you know, leading to, of course, the highest graded D line in the country. Roman Wilson has been ridiculous. He's, you know, he's the sixth highest graded receiver in the country, a 99.9 deep grade, the vertical element that's been added with him, and I believe was really unlocked in, in the semifinal last year against TCU. It's unlocked McCarthy, it's unlocked their offense. Roman Wilson really has now become the key to, to what makes their offense two-dimensional. Okay, Corum and Edwards are obviously great. I mean, you, they're going to run the ball. They're going to stop the run. They're going to whoop you in the trenches, right? That's what Michigan does. But they, it's part of it's an eye test for me. And look, to me, who's number one, especially this early in the year, shouldn't be that, like, big controversial thing, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> the top being in the top four is what matters. Honestly, it doesn't. The games are played on a neutral field. It doesn't matter really who's number four and who's number one. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think I, – I get the Georgia thing. I get it. They've won the last two and they haven't lost. How could you drop them? You know, I, I get it. It's an eye test thing. So when you – you know, we've it's kind of one of the themes today has been when you play teams that you're better than, go stomp on them. Yeah. Just do it. They won, they've won every game by at least 24, you said? Yeah. Go stomp on them. Right? And I know with Rutgers, it was probably about the first 25 minutes or so where Rutgers put up a fight. But – Look, the defense is spectacular. They're number two in grading overall behind Miami, actually, who that'll be a future conversation because they're rolling. But, you know, McCarthy's a top 10 quarterback. You've got an easy top five defense. You've got one of the best vertical receivers in the country. I think you've got the best pair of running backs in the country. Michigan's got everything. And if, if McCarthy is unlocked, if Roman Wilson has unlocked McCarthy and he's willing to throw the deep ball now and they're a little more vertical than they used to be with because nobody questioned anything at Michigan the last five, six years other than can they really throw it when they need to? And it sure looks like they can. McCarthy was spectacular in the semifinal game and he's been terrific in these first five weeks. I mean, he's probably not going to put up the raw numbers to win a Heisman, but he's playing on a similar level to all those guys. And that's always been the question at Michigan is, 
can the passing game do what the rest of the team? They have O line and D line and and backs and linebackers and ev- everything. They've always had everything else. And if McCarthy's going to play at this level, they're probably the most well-rounded team in the country. They have a distinct advantage at quarterback over Ohio State. Yep. They are more consistent offensively than Texas. They're more consistent offensively than Georgia. They are bigger and tougher than Florida State. You run down, they have certainly a better defense than a team like USC. You run down the list of uh, what does Michigan not have? I mean, their coverage is probably more, it's closer to B plus or A minus than like super, super crazy, but they also have the best D line by the grading right now in the country. Yeah. So there's, there's, it's, it's going to be hard. And, and, and honestly, the combination of all those things, if McCarthy continues to play at this level, and I know those last three games are tough, but, we we know who Michigan is. Would you not still favor Michigan in all three of those games? Yeah. No, they, they definitely would be, man. And, I, again, they, it, it sounds weird that I'm disagreeing with you because I still think this team is winning the national championship. Like, I still I, – like, I had them in the preseason. I just I, I just struggle saying they've earned it yet. I, I think, again, it's, it's difficult to talk about. But, yeah, and you mentioned the coverage unit. I mean, they still have a fantastic secondary, man. I, the, I think, qu- the question for me working from the top down is, I mean, straight up at number one, I just asked myself, not – 2022 and 21 and yeah that's fair these six weeks that we've seen and it's to me i did obviously did a little research and looking at some things and all who's the best team in the country yeah now texas with the resume cool but they were also struggling with wyoming and yeah and have had some other you know inconsistencies you know offensive michigan to me just 2023 alone i'm not you know i'm not taking away two trophies or anything all right they look right now like the best team. Yeah, just, I'd agree. It's, it's an eye test thing. It is because they're whacking everybody on that schedule, and they will continue to do so until they're nine and zero. Yeah, it's, that's that's how it's going to be. It is, and if their D line is going to be that good, Penn State's going to have a real issue when they get there. It's it's just going to be a problem if 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 they go into Michigan or wherever the game is, and Michigan still is the highest graded D line in the country. Uh, wow, how your Nittany Lions going to block them? So I, it's it's a problem. I mean, really, it is. And yeah. when I think you just think about all the, the Michigan is the one team to me right now with an answer for everything. I agree. I, I definitely agree. And I, again, I agree with you. They are the best team in the country. They will. I think they still won win the national championship. I just I struggle dropping a still unbeaten Georgia team um, who's won the last two who's had issues before in those last two years, don't get me wrong. Um, I do agree they're not the best team in the country right now, but I, I struggle not ranking them number one after still being undefeated because Michigan just hasn't played anyone yet. So that's why I'm still a little bit like, okay, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to keep them there for now. Um, I have Georgia at number one, man. You mentioned it. They're, they have some serious issues. I still think they have talent on every side of the ball and every position group. It's just about putting together, man. I mentioned before, the receiving core should be a lot better than what it is right now outside of Brock Bowers. Defensive line should be better than it is um, right now as well. I think they can put it together. I'm just I'm more worried about Georgia than I have been in the last couple of years. So I have Georgia at number one right now, um, and really it's mainly because of one man, and it is number 19 on the Bulldogs in Brock Bowers, who has been fantastic. Man, he won that game single handedly against Auburn. He had a 94.1 grade against Auburn, 157 yards. Uh, over four yards per route run. He had six catches for 148 yards and a touchdown in the second half alone in that game. 
Brock Bowers, a take I wanted to bring to the table here, Dalton, you could tell me if I'm being hyperbolic or, or whatever. I truly think Brock Bowers, once the season's over and once he's moving on to Sundays, we're going to look back and say, this is the greatest tight end college football has ever seen. Am I being hyperbolic when I say that? I don't think totally, and I'm I'm certainly not old enough to go to go digging <laughs> way way back deep into into some other guys, some of the other older guys that might be in that conversation. But certainly in the last decade, I know Kyle Pitts had one or two crazy years, and and you know Gronk was taken in the second round and had a great run at Arizona, and, and certain Bowers since the moment he stepped on the field, it is just it it's it's ridiculous. I mean, he was honestly. Was that his freshman year two years ago when Georgia beat Alabama? Is that yep. right? He was the best player on the field. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as a as a freshman and tight ends, you don't see this out of tight ends. No, dude. they're they're just they're, they're really you, generally tight ends aren't they're not just even they're not physically built enough to do that that early. And then the way he can run, I mean, you're I, Kittle's the only other one I've seen it with George Kittle with the Niners. Not even now anymore when he was really in his prime prime. I mean, you're giving this guy jet sweeps. Yeah, I mean you're you're handing this guy the football and telling him to outrun people, and he outflanks them. I mean he's yeah. gonna he's gonna go to the combine and probably run a mid, probably somewhere in the four fours at yeah. his size and his strength, and he's and he's also an excellent blocker. Um, you very rarely Kyle Pitts is the last one we saw um, take over games, and, and, and you know he did it for probably a year and a half. I know the one year it was nuts, but. Brock Bowers, this is third year doing this. I mean, Dude. this is this is kind of the point and counterpoint with Georgia is, well, Brock Bowers, is he the best? I know where you're at with this. You're going to call him the best non-quarterback in the country. Or maybe the best player. You might call him the best player in the country. I wouldn't. Caleb Williams is a freaking nature. But yeah, uh, he's probably the best I, non-quarterback in the country. I would argue, if you're looking at who stands above their position more than anyone, I would say it's Brock Bowers. I think that's that him good, yeah. him and the the gap between him and the next tight end is ridiculous. The gap between Caleb and Penix is is smaller than the gap between him and the tight end. But I agree with you. I mean, like I, you can make an argument for either of those two. I have no problem with it. Um, but listen, man, Brock Bowers, dude. I, it might sound hyperbolic calling this guy a true junior who's not like he's you know a, a senior or a retro senior a junior the best tight end college football has ever seen but he has been this since a true freshman man he was an all-american for ap and us as a true freshman all-american for ap and us as a true sophomore won the john Mackey award last season which is given to the best tight end in the country um if he wins it again this year he'll become the first ever two-time winner of the John Mackey Award in his 24-year history. And here's some stats that Brock Bowers has already accomplished. Not even done with his junior... He's not even midway through his junior season right now. He already, among all Power 5 tight ends since we started in 2014 PFF College, among all tight ends in the Power 5 since 2014, he leads them all in receiving grade. He leads them all in receiving yards. He leads them all in receiving touchdowns or tied for the most receiving touchdowns right now. Uh, probably will lead them all after this week. He leads them all in receiving yards after contact, and he leads them all in force missed tackles on catches as well. He has been the best tight end in the country since the day he graduated high school. He has been the best tight end in college football since after his high school graduation. He is, in my opinion, the greatest tight end college football has ever seen. Now, it might sound weird talking about that while he's still playing college football, but I truly think once the season's over, we're going to look back and say, no tight end has ever been that dominant who's been the best tight end in the country every single season of his career from true freshman to now like Brock Bowers, man. So 
I think he's the most dominant player in the country. I think he's the best tight end in the country once again this year. Um, and I, the one thing I loved after the Auburn game, one Auburn fan on X tweeted out, uh, yet we didn't, after someone posted Brock Bowers' stats, and an Auburn fan tweeted out, yet we didn't double slash bracket this guy clown emoji. Ron Roberts, the Auburn's defensive coordinator, saw that tweet and quote tweeted it. And then, of course, he deleted it later on, I'm sure, after Auburn got to him and said, hey, can you please delete this? But he said, responding to that fan, I don't know what game you were watching. He was bracketed most of the day. They were trying to take him away. They were setting two guys to him the whole time. And Brock Bowers still put up 150 yards in the second half against Auburn, even with Auburn really just focusing on him, man. So, he might go to New York, man. This might be a guy that goes to New York in the Heisman ceremony, which is insane considering all the quarterbacks that we have this year with Penix and, and Caleb Williams and Bo Nix and, and Jordan Travis and Shador Sanders, all of them. Brock Bowers might get an invite to New York as a tight end, which is unheard of, man. So, again, it might sound hyperbolic. Um, I, I just think right now what he's done in three years, he is the greatest tight end in college football history and – I did some research before making that take. I did, I looked back at a lot of other tight ends. They don't stack. He was already a, maybe the number two or number three tight end of all time entering this season. Now I think he's number one, man. I, I think this guy is the number one tight end in the country. So if he's a three-time All-American, if he's a two-time Mackey Award winner, it's going to be hard to deny, man, that this guy is, is truly special. Yeah, the, the body of work is insane. And honestly, he's the sole reason they beat Auburn. Uh, would they have beaten Auburn without him? I really don't think so. No. Um, it, you just see, I mean, uh, this is this is why this might, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound cheesy, but it's really why I, I would like to see them play Alabama in the SEC title game. I would like to see Saban in that secondary and what the plan is. Because yeah. obviously, you play Georgia, and it used to be when you play Georgia before this guy. All right, how do we stop the run? How do we slow down the run? How do we, how do we compete up front? Now, where in the world is 19? Where is he? Because it's slot, it's wide, it's motion, it's tight, it's it's 12 personnel, it's across the field, it's up the field. He can really run, he can get up the seam, it's jet sweep, it's I mean, really, it's like uh, it reminds you of another 19. It's it's they they use Brock Bowers as a tight end like the Niners use Debo Samuel. Yeah. Which, which, they is, do. which is which is crazy to me. I mean, that's how good this guy is. Yeah. It's it's not just certain guys like we've seen tight ends who live in the slot, like Kyle Pitts was a little like that. I remember. Um, oh, there was another tight end for the Lions, not um, not Hawkinson, the one before that. I can't remember the name. Kelsey does um, it a little bit too, though. Too. Yeah, like we see guys even in the NFL who even in college lived in the slot. Yeah. Oh, who was it? It was that tight end from North Carolina. There was one from North Carolina who didn't do much in the league. Oh my um, God! Oh oh. Okay, I'm uh, Eric Ebron, right? Top ten. Pick. That's it, Ebron. Eric yeah, yeah. Ebron. That's, thank you, Eric Ebron. Lived in the slot for the Tar Heels. Lived out there. He yeah. he lined up as an actual tight end like twenty percent of the time. This is still Georgia's offense. They are in line, two tight ends often. I formation still under center often. You know, slot even getting in the gun. He's off the ball, kind of H back thing. Can do all those things. This guy. I, I don't know that we've seen a tight end so early, so young, even back to his freshman year, who can do everything. He is he he really is their offense. Otherwise, they're just moving the chains and waiting for him to make an explosive. Or if they're trying to kill the clock, they're running. But even if they're running the ball, find him because he's probably mauling somebody up front. It's he's he's cer- certainly in the last decade since PFF's been doing this. It's it's hard to make the argument that he's that he's not or he's not you know if we're talking all time I know college football has been played forever 
But if you're talking all time, he has to be in the argument. And, and really, if Georgia wins a national title, he's probably going to be the very first reason they do so. I mean, their defense, Kirby and the defense is always a thing, but Brock Bowers is that guy. And I, I think the only thing I worry about with that is I go, if, if he's another one, so dependent on him, if anything, anything at all happens to him, oh, yeah. where, do they, where do they go? Where do the explosive plays come from? But, but for right now, as long as he's on the field, I mean, he's, 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 the, best, he's the best player on any field he steps on. No question. He absolutely is, man. So, yeah, I did some research. I'm not just putting out a take that I, I, you know, that is a high praise for a guy. So I'm not just saying that without any research. I did a little bit of research, but I think he's up there, man. I, I think he's definitely, I think after the season we will say that, but I would argue he is now, man. I, I think Keith Jackson, you know, the old tight end for, for, uh, Oklahoma was up there. Um, Brock Bowers is certainly up there. His other Ken McAfee from Notre Dame is, but was great too. But he was a three-time All-American. So, but Bowers can be a three-time All-American. Bowers can win the Mackey Award twice. Nobody's ever won the Mackey Award twice, and he he'd be. Um, one of the only tight ends ever. Nobody's ever been a four-time All-American at the tight end position. He, if he's a three-time All-American, he'd tie the most ever. So I think there's. I a- would be. I would be curious actually where that receiving grade stacks up with receivers as well. Because yeah, I believe it's not. I'm seeing 94.3. I, I would. I, I kind of. I would probably later. I'll look this up. But where where that receiving grade stacks up in the last ten years with any wide receiver also? Because I I would bet there isn't more than maybe 10 guys who have that for a career. And I mean, and I know some, you know, some group of five conference receivers dominate down there and do some things, but I, I would, it's certainly, yeah, first among tight ends, but I, I, I would, I'm curious just for the fun of it to see where that stacks up with wide receivers. Dude, it, I, it's gotta be up there, man. And I think he is, again, it's just like, it, it's not, a lot of those stats were not only grade stats, they were counting stats. And he's already first in, in almost all of them. He's a true junior. Like, a lot of these tight ends that we have dated for, we have five years for them. He's already passed them in two and a half years of, of playing college football. So he is, in my opinion, he is clearly the uh, the number one tight end in college football this year, number one tight end last year, and number one tight end the year before that. And again, I <laughs> I know Mark didn't want me, Mark Trichester, our, our editor-in-chief, didn't want me to put it out there that he is the greatest of all time just yet. But I, I, I'm willing to put it out for you guys here on Preferred Walk-On that I do think he is the uh, the greatest tight end in college football history. But don't any, uh, any parting thoughts you have, because I'm currently in ultimate right now trying to pull the highest grade receivers of all time so do you have any parting thoughts on uh on everything we talked about today um no i i think you know what there's a long you know you get these rankings it's only been these teams have only played four or five games you got a long way to go and we got some darn good games coming even this week ohio state maryland lsu missouri we, we started the show talking about missouri um you know you you've got a long obviously the red river rivalry a long way to go before any of this is settled look we can put out our top 10 the ap can do theirs or whoever the coaches it's going to look a lot different even two three weeks from now so i mean you've got or just a ton of huge games left to be played and and, and i think i think the, the madness is coming max it's coming it, we we almost had it on saturday we we were so close in several games you just get the feeling it's going to bubble over at some point it's going to get it's going to get crazy um it's just a matter of what week and then you're still going to see some epic games look i keep saying you know teams with playoff hopes look four teams are not going undefeated no just not usually every year you get one maybe i i think we've had a couple years maybe with two you're not getting four teams to run the table you're not 
So one loss is not the end of the world. Even look at honestly, Alabama, I think, still has every right to feel like they can make the playoff. Yeah. Know, with a loss. Notre Dame, honestly, if Notre Dame ran the table with a USC win mixed in there and an at Clemson mixed in there, they could absolutely still run the table. They run the table, they make the playoffs. So there's nobody. I mean, there's no short of probably you could probably argue 13 or 14 teams that you go unlikely maybe even a team honestly like let's say washington state pulls some miracle and only maybe loses one game or runs the table i go what i mean so many teams are still alive and it's so early we, you know we something we learn as much as we can each week but I, oklahoma you mentioned you know I, i'm glad you brought up oklahoma of the, the magnitude of that game Oklahoma gets by Texas, they can very easily run the table and just and just go and be and finish. Really, they run the table; they can finish number one at the end of the day. But it's no, it's going to be, it's going to get wild. We're we're like so we are so so close to college football just turning upside down and and things happening that we don't think are going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I unfortunately, ultimate is crashing because there is about 900,000 snaps that has to sift through in order to get me the highest graded receivers of all time. So hopefully we'll get that stat to you hopefully pretty soon. But uh, yeah, man, it should be an awesome week of college football. I mean, you got four ranked games coming up. Um, speaking of, you mentioned Washington State. I want to shout out real quick. We have an interview with Cameron Ward posting uh, pretty soon. I, Tuesday night, whenever you're watching this, it is getting posted. He was a fantastic kid. One of the top Heisman candidates, I think, so far this season. Um, he was awesome. So we have an interview with him coming out really shortly. But yeah, man, it should be an awesome week of college football. It was an awesome week of college football. Another four ranked games we got this week. Another, another three or four awesome non un, non ranked games that we have. Maryland, Ohio State's one of them. A and M, Alabama's one of them as well. So we have uh, some decisions to make, man, over over what games we're talking about in our preview episode. But yeah, that's what we got for our review for our top ten teams in college football. We appreciate you guys. We know this is a little bit of a longer one, but uh, for producer Eli back there and for Dalton Wasserman, I'm Max Chadwick, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.